The word for today that we're focusing on is habit or uh, routine. Not the burger place, but those habits, those routines that we all have, that we all develop. And I'm just curious, you know, I'll share one regular habit I have is a very normal one. Coffee in the morning. And especially on a Sunday morning, if I don't have that first cup of coffee going into me by about five in the morning, then I feel that I just am dragging a little bit. And that's just one of those things that it's almost automatic. Like I wake up and I go right into the kitchen and I get that coffee ready. It's almost like automatic. I don't even have to think about it. My body is on autopilot. But I'm curious for you guys in your life, what are some of those things that you would consider to be habits or regular routines that your body or your, your life just almost, they almost happen without thinking anymore. And we could just focus on positive ones for now. That's okay. We don't have to go into full disclosure right now. All right. Uh, how about flossing before breakfast? Ooh, flossing. Oh, man. That is a hard habit, hard thing to develop that habit. At least that's what my dentist says. How's the flossing coming? Okay. What else? Drinking water in the morning, yeah. Or the leftover water from during the night that you didn't finish, and then you drink it in the morning. Yeah, that's a good habit. As soon as my alarm goes off, I take off my CPAP max mask, and then it's actually Phoenix's habit that she jumps off the bed. And so you have kind of like a morning routine. Yeah, that's cool. What else? What are some like habits that you... Does anyone have any habits that kind of surprise them, that they just sort of developed over time? Yeah, Cindy. My morning workout. Your morning workout. So that's something that has kind of surprised you? Or that you've... I don't function well without it. Oh, you don't function well without it. Okay. Okay. So a whole kind of morning routine to almost jumpstart your day. Okay. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah, so that kind of like sets the tone for your day for you. Okay. Anyone else? Maybe one more? Mr. Mike. I've developed it happens when I think of something that I need to do. Okay. So you're at the point where when something pops in her head, you realize you have to do it now or... Okay. Okay, that's another, that's another habit that a lot of people have, making lists. Yeah, yeah. Well, all of us, you know, have, we have habits, we have different routines, and we probably have some good, maybe some not so good, and so many of these things just become a regular part of our lives. Many of the things that develop in our life are because of things like where we live, who we interact with regularly, sometimes even who we work with or who we live with, or even things that we think or feel regularly. In fact, research shows, did you know that up to 50% of our day is almost solely based on repetition? 
of things that were just normal and natural in our lives, things that have developed over time. 50% of our day is repetition. Doesn't that sound, I mean, at first glance, I'm like, man, that sounds a little bit boring. But our brain kind of almost needs that in order to function without thinking sometimes. Like a hamster on a wheel. Yeah, a little bit like that. Habits, in fact, are something that, if when we think about it, they actually govern us. They control us to a large degree. Sometimes for good, sometimes for not. Habits are often born in our heart. They're driven often by what we feel. And then they end up wiring or rewiring our brains in the process. And what does that do? That impacts how we use our hands and feet in the world whether it's in the world or if we think broadly in our work um, as disciples seeking to follow Christ. In this series, Lead Like Jesus, we've already hit the big three, so to speak, head, heart, and hands. And this week we're focusing on this fourth dimension, the habits of a leader, because it's this fourth dimension, habits, that actually connect and amplify those three things. Because habits involve our our hearts and our heads, and they get worked out in our hands and our feet and how we go about moving and acting in the world, or sometimes in action. There There are things in my life that I'm not always proud about, moments of inaction, and those can become habits as well and things that we have to work on. Good habits, on the other hand, can act as pulleys. I don't have a picture of it, but a couple... um, a little over a month ago, we were down at the San Francisco waterfront, and uh, they had that historical area open. It, there was no entry fee. It was like the, the seafarers, um, they had some of the ships down there, and in there they've got a couple like kid-friendly things, and they've got this one with these pulleys and this giant weight. And you pull on the one, and you, it's almost impossible to lift this weight on the first one because it's just you're pulling on one rope. And then the second one, there's actually two pulleys. And you pull on it, and it's actually a little bit easier. And then the third one, there's three pulleys, and the rope kind of goes through them all. And you can easily pull the same amount of weight just because you have these pulleys. Good habits are kind of like this. As we have these habits develop, these good ones, it actually helps ease the, many of the burdens in our life. And they can keep us directed on the right path. This is one of the primary ways that we grow in strength, especially when the going gets tough, especially when you're called to lift those heavy weights in your life. On our own, we cannot do it. We need help. So there's lots of different things that we can talk about with habits, things that we could jump to, maybe specific actions that I could jump us to. But what I want to do this morning instead is highlight three um, Three things that I think will help us go further, maybe aim a little bit higher, and help us to develop deeper, stronger roots as faithful followers of Christ. And here's the first one. If we want to lead like Jesus, we need to learn to continually model humility. Now, we don't often think of humility as a habit. It's sort of one of those ones that we don't think about. How do we model humility? Humility. We see Jesus do this often throughout the Bible. 
modeling humility. Humility, there's a lot of different ways that we can define this. Some of them are helpful. If you do a little Google search, there will be some helpful things and there will be some not so helpful things. But I like to think of humility as basically the thing that helps us see who we truly are. It involves seeing ourselves as we truly are. And what are we truly? I'll just say, I'll speak to myself first. What am I truly? I am a weak human being. That is the truth. That on my own, I am not strong. On our own, we are not strong. And that is the truth. But with Christ, we are made strong. And when we start to recognize that in our human frailty we are helpless with God, we've taken that first step towards true humility that we see Jesus model over and over. Romans 12.3 says, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And friends, this is a problem for us because we like to think of ourselves far more highly than we should. We like to think that we're all that because that makes us feel good. But that's not always the truth. And that is what can get us into trouble. Colossians 3 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Your very presence here today in gathering to worship is an act of service to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an act of humility to recognize you cannot do it on your own. I cannot do it on my own. This is a risky question right now. Is anyone comfortable sharing a moment where you've had to practice showing humility? Okay, Amy. Thank you, for, thank you for, for being willing. This is a hard question. It is, but I feel like right now, for me, it's my life because I can't do things. I can't, my hands don't work right. My knees don't work right. I can't do things. We want to be self-sufficient. I want to be self-sufficient, and right now I'm like, I can't be. I, I, I hate that. I don't like it. Humility's not comfortable. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Mm-hmm. When I was in a cast for about seven weeks, mm-hmm. Ouch. You had to rely on your better half. Yeah, I try not to get hurt anymore. Mm-hmm. It's very humbling, you know, having to. Often those acts, it's very humbling when we think of our, our physical bodies, yes. Yeah. Kenya? Being a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I did have to rely on people in a way
What does the Bible say? It's far better to give than to receive. But the reality is that we like to give, but it is, more, it is hard for us to receive sometimes, especially when we realize, yeah, there are some things in my life or our lives that we, we are dependent on other people. It does require an act of humility at times. It's not even always just physical. Like the piece for me that's where I struggle is when I don't know something or can't remember something and I have to, I have to ask. Mm-hmm. And I have to let somebody else be smarter than me. Asking for help or clarification is an act of humility. But I had to learn, I learned that, I actually learned a lot about that going into interpretation because that's one of the lines they teach us is mm-hmm. interpreter requires clarification. And it's just thrown in there. It's, there's, no, there's no shame or anything around it. It's just part of the process. Yep. And that was helpful for me yep. sometimes when I remember. Anyone, anyone else have an example? Stacy. In, in my line of work, when I, I work with people from a lot of walks of life, I've been doing, I'm a financial coach, and so we talk about personal stuff. And dissecting people's financial budgets is probably the most humbling thing for me. Mm. Because it is so easy for me to say, oh, well, I wouldn't do it that way. Or, is that the right thing for you? And so the humbling part is what the cultural differences are vast. Mm. And how little I, like, I thought I knew, but I realize now how little I know. And it's, it's, mm. I don't think I sit in my white ivory tower, but I realize that I really have to keep that in check because what I think is important to me is not going to be important to my neighbor or to the next person. Or even working with people who are on fixed incomes and me thinking, well, this is the best way to go. I don't know any of that. I don't know their stories. I don't yeah. know all of that. And so it's, it's humbling. The more we know or the farther we go, the less we actually realize that we know. And so learning to ask questions mm. rather than assume. Okay. And having to constantly remind myself that. Thank you, yeah. Empowering clients to make their choices. Yeah. Whether or not I agree with them, because it's not on my. Yep. Yeah. Ezra. I think. Um, being part of the team or a relationship, you have to, um, for the sake of your relationship and the good of the team, you have to uh, give up some control. Even though I might have a very strong opinion about how I think things should be, if everyone just did things my way, it would be so great. Yeah, wouldn't but, the world be wonderful? But, but, but if, I, if I really press that issue with my stubbornness, then I can find myself right and isolated. Mm. Um, so, like, for the sake of being on a team. Well, Depending on your perspective, yeah. So says your team partner. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's yeah. been a that's yeah. been a tough thing, you know. But it's but it's worth the game. Yeah. You know, in a relationship, yeah. in a team. Yeah. In a group, so um, yeah. you just have to pick your battles and and uh, do that. Jesus not only calls us to model humility; he is the model of humility. Here is the Lord God of the universe. Come to earth in flesh, willingly submitting himself to feel what it's like to be a human. If that's not, if that's not a, an, an act of humility, I'm not sure what is. 
And that's how Jesus becomes such an effective leader, even in a short time while here on earth, in how he chose to operate. He, did, he, he asked a lot of questions. He, did get a, he, he went to people that weren't normally seen. He did spend time in people's lives. He, he willingly chose to take a certain path that didn't make sense to a lot of the people that were in power that day. And ultimately, he humbled himself upon the cross. I feel like the, the piece of humility that Jesus teaches us, uh, one of the pieces, is not, it's not just knowing who we are, but understanding our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. That it's not just that we are weak, it's mm-hmm. that we are weak and empowered by God and loved by God and saved by God. Yes. Those things go hand in hand. And as soon as we forget the God part, then we, get, then we end up in the whole, I'm not worth anything, which is mm-hmm. also not what God wants us to do. You are reading my mind because this is where we're going. Second Corinthians 12 says this, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And this is the word, this is the Apostle Paul speaking. Because of that truth, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. It's not like we, we like any of these things. But for the sake of Christ, we, we accept some of them. I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. I have trouble sometimes delighting in all of those, if I'm honest, and I'm sure each of us. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And that's part of it. It's not just that we are weak even though that's, that might be the reality. But it's that in Christ, we are made strong. And that is why we need Christ so much, that the power of God would be able to be almost, I use this word kind of tentatively, channeled through us and in us into the world. That it's not us that they see, that the world sees, but the power and strength of God in us. I think that's the one of the things that's hmm? most challenging for me understand all the time is that I just don't I'm not going to be able to do everything in my power you can certainly try (laughs) you can certainly try to do everything in your power but how's that working out for you humility is one of the harder habits for us to model but it's also one of the best habits that works to sort of temper our human nature, the parts that get us in trouble. It actually helps shape the ways that we, we, um, we show faith, love, and hope to this world. We, show, we want to show love, but sometimes our mouths get us in trouble. Humility is sort of that tempering check. How are we showing our love to the world? How are we showing our faith? How are we sharing hope into this world? We could say a lot more about humility. In fact, we could probably do a whole series, but I want to keep us moving forward. Um, modeling humi- humility. The second one, to lead like Jesus. And this is one that might even be more difficult. It means that we have to learn how to handle, appropriately handle criticism. Appropriately handle criticism. And this is one that does have some caveats to it. 
This is always a tricky one because our brains are complex and people are hard and many things have a measure of hard truth that sometimes we need to say or to receive. And then there are other times that criticism can be out of line and inappropriate. That's why I put that word, well, it's not on here, but it's on the back of the bulletin, appropriately handle criticism. Or we could say appropriately handle appropriate criticism. But that was a little bit too wordy. Proverbs 15 says this, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. In the areas where you are called to lead in your lives, whether that is in some sort of your family setting or in your school or your work, or in your job, or whatever the case may be. Learning to handle criticism often feels more like an art than an exact science. Because handling criticism is contextual. Context matters. It matters who is the sayer or the receiver. It tone, things like tone. And Why do you think so many people get in trouble in online settings? for the things that they say, because we're not able to communicate all those things that are important, like context and tone and, you know, the, the face-to-face contact, those sorts of things. It's a trial and error process that takes a lot of practice because we are made to be feeling beings. We feel things strongly, and some things we feel maybe too strongly at times. As you know, how, how we handle criticism is not one size fits all. Sometimes it requires you to respond to that critical word, but seeking to find the appropriate ways. Sometimes it means that you might have to simply receive and reflect on it in order that you are able to grow. And sometimes you might even need to redirect unwarranted criticism or even let it deflect off I know in my life, sometimes I've found that last part to be almost the hardest part, to let unwarranted criticism deflect off. We still kind of say things. You know, when, someone's, when you receive ten kind words, but you get that one sort of critical word, what's the one that you remember? We tend to remember that one. This is part of the burden of leadership in the areas of your life that you are called to. The areas of your life that God is calling you to lead may require you to do hard things or to take the less traveled road. There are so many times I know in my life where I've wanted to say something, but I knew it wouldn't be appropriate or at the right time, the right way, or even to the right person. One of the things Jesus was a master of was seeing what I like to think of the thing behind the thing. To see beyond the anger or the rage or the pride, that immediate reaction that either he received or saw, to what was really going on. And when you read all about Jesus in the Bible, we start to see that he modeled how to take and stay on the high road, never stooping low for a quick win at the expense of another person. This is something that I wish more leaders today, especially some of our quote, public leaders would learn a little bit more about. This is often very difficult for us, my friends, 
It requires regular practice, and it's why developing good habits and good routines and rhythms in our life is so important. They strengthen us for those times that are hard. They almost give us a measure of resilience to be able to say that hard word when it is appropriate. Mark 15 recounts this little story of Jesus towards the end of his life. It says, very early in the morning, the chief priests with the elders, the teachers of the law, and the whole Sanhedrin made their plans. What were their plans for Jesus? They wanted him to die. So they bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Let's stop there for a second. Does this this seem very fair right now? Is Jesus being treated fairly or appropriately? No, not at all. This is totally unwarranted behavior by those who are in power. What does Pilate say to him? Are you the king of the Jews? asked Pilate. Jesus replied, Of course I am. Who do you think I am? I'm king of the world. No, he didn't say any of those things. He said, You have said so. The chief priests accused him of many things. So again, Pilate asked him, Aren't you going to answer? See how many things they are accusing you of? But Jesus, and this is the line that always gets me, but Jesus still made no reply. And Pilate was amazed. The discipline that it took, when I bet every human bone and instinct in his body, just like it might be for you or me, would be to, "Mm, I just want to nail them right now. I just want to be right. I just want to put them in their place. He didn't feel the need to defend himself. Why? That's a good question. Why do you think Jesus didn't feel the need to defend himself? Obviously, he didn't need to. I mean, he is the Son of God. He knew who he was, and he also knew what was in the hearts of those who were seeking to undermine him as well. He knew what they were about. Have you ever tried to argue with someone that you know is... I should just stop talking right now. You are not going to win when people have convinced themselves of a particular truth. There are lots of other examples. I just chose this one for today, but um, I know. Did you come here for, for a nice smoothie or for a big chunk of meat that you have to digest? Yeah, it's going to take some time. Yeah, no vegetarians here this morning, okay? <laughs> we're, we'll just pretend we're all lactose intolerant. We, we, like, we like our meat this morning. Let's stop there. Habit number three. If we want to lead like Jesus, this is, this is also one, this is a habit that takes time and practice. Learn to accept God's leading. If we truly believe that God knows what he's doing, that God is the author and perfecter of everything, that all truth is inherent in God, then how's it going to go if we're not willing to accept God's leading? 
The Bible reminds us of this over and over again. I want to share a couple of psalms. I listed them on the back of your bulletin as well. Psalm 46, this is a well-known one. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. He says, be still and know that I am God. Psalm 138, though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly, or another word for that is the humble. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. Psalm 25 says, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, and this is part of the good news, he instructs sinners in his ways. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. So even though God is so big, as we sing, so strong and so mighty, he sees us and he says, come with me. I will teach you in my ways. You might be small and weak, but in me you are made strong and capable. You are enabled to do all that God calls you to do. Because of this greatness and goodness of God, this is, and knowing that we need his help, we must learn to humbly acknowledge and accept his leading. Now the leading of God, we know, looks like a bunch of different things. Sometimes it's clear direction, sometimes it's instruction, sometimes it's correction, and it's always connection. I try to use a lot of shun words. Instruction, correction, direction, and always connection. Maybe all of the above all at the same time. Thankfully, these kinds of things, leading, guiding, directing, this is the way of God. That's the cool part. That even though these are hard habits to develop, God says, I am with you. I will actually help you in my ways. Rely on me. Be dependent upon me. It's a good thing we can't do it on our own. We would fail miserably. But with God, anything is possible. Friends, your presence here today is part of it. The regular gathering of God's people to worship, to give and receive, to listen and to recognize. This is part of the amazing pathway of following God and learning to lead like Jesus. Are we going to do this well or perfectly? No. We're never going to do it perfectly. We might sometimes do it well, but we're always going to need more and more practice in this. God has created you. He has gifted you. He has called you, and he also enables you to keep going. He does not leave you or forsake you. Have no doubt about that. Yes, these are hard lessons for us to sometimes hear and receive. Have no doubt that the Lord God of the universe is with you in this moment. The grace of God is perfectly sufficient. As we pray now, we have the privilege of engaging in yet another wonderful act of grace. It helps us develop the kinds of habits that will sustain us. And one of these habits is coming to the very table of Christ and celebrating the sacrament of communion together. So I want to take just a moment and pray, and then we'll prepare to receive from the Lord in a moment. 
God, I thank you for your power and presence that is at work in us. I pray that you will continue to guide us, help us to continue to develop the kinds of habits that lead us closer and closer to you and allow us to be that light in an often dark world. Your word says you are with us. So we want to claim that promise today. As we come to your table, Lord, will you fill us and feed us? Send us back out into the world to be your hands and feet to a world that desperately needs to hear and experience your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.